I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. Veteran television actor Michael J. Fox has written four books, three of them memoirs. In his latest memoir, No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Mortality, Fox gets personal about his Parkinson's and how he's adapted to it. We have to be honest about what's happening. We have to abject truths, the things that just are, are what they are. And you accept that, and then, and then you can, and you can change. You find niches in it to, 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 to make it better, but you have to accept it for what it is first. In this conversation, first recorded on September 17th for Washington Post Live, Fox talks less about his career and more about his family, how important they are to him, and how important they were to getting to the honesty depicted in no time like the future. This is your fourth book and your third memoir. And in this one, you open by talking about an injury you sustained after spinal surgery in 2018 that resulted in you having to uh, learn to walk again. Um, One, I wanna know why that was, but also what was it about that challenge in particular that forced you to rethink your trademark positive outlook on life? Well, to give a little backstory, I mean, I was, uh, I had had Parkinson's for 30 years at this point. This was 19, uh, excuse me, 2018. And, um, and I, so I kind of I said to people, I reached a detente with the, 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 the disease. I, it, I would mm-hmm. do what I needed to do and I would do what I didn't need to do and we'd get along and we'd get, 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 get by and it would gradually take more and more and there'd be more loss. But, but it kind of felt like on my terms. And so I, I might have been cocky about that, but that's how I felt it was going. And then I had uh, a couple of years previous, I uh, they found a tumor on my spine, a benign tumor, but it was a tumor that was encasing the uh, the spinal cord, and um, and therefore it was going to paralyze me within a couple of years. So if I wanted to avoid that, I needed to get this surgery, which was really tricky. It was six hours. It was Johns Hopkins, uh, um, amazing team of doctors and. And uh, assistance, and they, they did this thing, and, but but I was basically for the time being paralyzed, and had to learn to walk again, and literally learn the mechanics of walking. Uh, you know, heel strike, foot transfer, weight transfer, just keep hips forward, shoulders back. I mean, just the basic fundamentals that you see a three-year-old, twenty or a two-year-old, twenty with in in the park. You know, getting up and falling down and tumbling over. And that was that was my standard uh, my standard situation. So. I, I spent a summer rec- recouping from this from the surgery, and um, and I was getting to where I could walk a little more independently. And uh, my family were giving me a hard time saying I was being too, too cocky and moving too fast. And I said, relax, I'm fine. I know what I'm doing. I'm, where I'm an athlete. I'm a stuntman. And, um, hmm. and uh, so I talked to him to leave me alone in the apartment one day because I was going to go to, uh, they were in Martha's Vineyard, and I flew back to New York, and I was going to go do a, a, a cameo on a Spike Lee produced uh, movie for Netflix and um and so I my daughter one was in town and she was the only one in town and she wanted to stay and get me off to work in the morning and I said no I'm fine I'm fine just go home honey you go to work in the morning you're fine I'm fine I'm fine I'm a grown-up man I know what I'm doing and I woke up the next morning I went to get coffee I stepped in the kitchen I fell down and I shattered my humerus in my left arm I eventually took a, a rod and 19 pins to put it back together but but in the meantime when I it just had just had happened I said I was lying on the kitchen floor alone, um, and and uh, I knew that my arm was in bad shape. I just couldn't feel it, and um, I crawled my way over to the wall and got on my cell phone and called my assistant, and and had her call an ambulance and come over. 
And um, while she was on her way over, I sat there and just ripped myself uh, a new one. And just I just said, this is this is all the work that people put into you, and all all the effort people put into you, and all the belief in you doing your best, and you're doing you're doing the right thing, and and you you blow it. You just cocky, and you, and you take a take a wrong step, and and so shattered. You had to learn to walk in. You balance was gonna be off. And and it, and I just I started to think. What is this like? Make lemons out of lemonade out of lemons. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm out of the lemonade business. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I can't I can't put a shine on this. I can't make this happy. I can't make this good. I can't make this. So don't worry. It's just a just a shattered arm. You know, it, it was it was um the real lesson to me in that moment, and I really wallowed in it, and really and really got. It took me months to get over it. The, 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 it sometimes you 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 Sorry, hate yourself so severely that that you you leave scars. You you can tell what other people are doing damage to you. You can do damage to yourself by saying the wrong thing to yourself at the wrong time. And it has lasting implications. So mm-hmm. I, I it took me a long time to to get over that. You know, Michael, I think you, you write in the book that in that moment that you're talking about is when you hit your your rock bottom. Um, you were just saying how you were, you were ripping yourself a, ripping yourself a new one, um, but you also write a great deal about your dynamic family life. How has how has life as a family man helped you you stay positive and main, maintain your sense of what you call realistic optimism? Well, it's 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 my kids are amazing. You know? Everybody's kids are amazing. But uh, um, mine, mine are, are, are if they've grown up with this their whole life. My son was the only one who knew me before I was uh, before I had Parkinson's. But I was an alcoholic at the time, so he did just just distorted a view of what was happening. He was three years old, or two years old. Um, but he, um, he, he, so he grew up with a real understanding of it, and a real patience with it, and a, and a, and a, and a, a sixth sense about it, about how to negotiate yeah. around it. And as did all my my daughters. My daughters are, are much more. Um, Prone to to want to take care of me than than my son. My son's like like you know just knows it don't run into that tree that dad just ran into. Um, but my daughters are like more stopping hitting the tree. Um, but uh, and then I don't I don't I don't promote that a lot. I don't I try to be uh, as independent as I can with my family and let them know that they, they, that their love is enough. They don't have to. And, and another thing that I, I tend to fall a lot and. Um, and my family are always want to grab me and catch me or stop me from falling. And, and meanwhile, my, my brain is doing an elaborate gyroscopic, finding its balance, finding its appropriate sense of uh, situation. And then, um, and so when they grab me, it all goes to pot and then we, we all go down. So I lose <laughs> fear of knocking down. So it's my family. It's kind of an odd thing because like my mother, I haven't hugged my mother in two and a half years. Because I was afraid of knocking her down, and then and then I I went and saw her, and uh, shortly after there was a pandemic, and I haven't seen her. She's in Canada, so I can finally go see her. So my wow. family is really important. My original family, and my 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 acquired family, and uh, and then just the family of Parkinson's patients. It's just, it's just it's all about family. It's all about connections. I mean, life is about connections. If you live a whole life and you don't make any connections, you don't make any of those bonds, then none of this stuff can be healed. That is a that, that is I agree with you 100% on that. You know, you you mentioned at the beginning of of our conversation that you you have been living with Parkinson's. You were di- diagnosed with Parkinson's 30 years ago, and you write in the book that you thought 
that that diagnosis would be the end of your, your acting career. And yet you went on to play some acclaimed roles on television. You played Dr. Kevin Casey on Scrubs. You played Louis Can uh, Canning on The Good Wife, Dwight on Rescue Me. Uh, what attracted you to these characters and how did you morph your Parkinson's symptoms into what your characters were dealing with? Well, I realized if I wanted, I, I, I dropped out of acting in, in uh, 2000. I left Spin City uh, in the Cable Hands of Charlie Sheen and, and, uh, and, and did, um, and in started the foundation, which is still going to center. And um, I decided not to work anymore. And because um, the doctor said I had 10 years left to work. And, and so I figured 10 years had passed and, and, and I wasn't functioning the way I used to. I couldn't do work the way I used to. I couldn't, I didn't be as glib or as quick or as fast or as light on my feet or as acrobatic in a way. Uh, I just thought all my tools were gone. And, and then I and then I said I had an offer to do uh, my friend Bill Lawrence's show Scrubs, not not as Ted Lasso, but he did Scrubs at the time, and he um, asked me to do one, and I said, you know, this, I come with a lot of baggage, and I don't know if I can do this, and, and I did it, and I realized that I took the the, the character I had OCD, and I, I took it and and put it through the Parkinson's filter, and I realized that that in a sense everyone has Parkinson's, it's just finding that person's Parkinson's, whatever that is. With Dwight, it was uh, Dwight unrescuing me. It was alcoholism and and, and addiction and, and misogyny and uh, general misanthropic behavior. <laughs> and uh, and then Louis Canning. It was Louis Canning was an interesting guy because he was a lawyer who had uh, Parkinson's and he used it uh, to, to 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 cultivate uh, sympathy with the jury. And he he would say he would make it all about him. And then he would defend drug companies that were being being, uh, being sued for for mal malfeasance. Not not having the, the weight anymore, being a leading man, being the guy in the one on the call sheet, carrying the show, having all that pressure. I was just this guy who could slip in, put on these characters, uh, use my own experience to, to, to blend and create a new experience for them and, and do it. And it just became this thing. All of a sudden, it was like a, all of a sudden, it was like not like a job anymore. It was a hobby. And, um, and it was just a good experience. And it gave me a second act. I realized less is more, which is good because I had less. And I used more of it. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial monarchmoney.com slash podcast. You, you know, Michael, you anticipated my, uh, a question I was going to ask you about um, what you write in the book. I can play anyone as long as they have Parkinson's. And I was discovering everyone has Parkinson's and you talked about that. But I want you to get to, to talk more. And I think you, you, you just talked about him, Lewis, Lewis Canning. And you also talked about the fact that um, your, your character was 
peculiar in in ways using using his his Parkinson's as a way of currying favor with juries. But the question is, why do you think that role left such an impression with viewers? I don't know. I tell a story in the book about being at the beach with my wife, and and um, I went down to the water and tested it out. We both did, and came back. She ran ahead of me and got got on the towel and started dry off. And I, I came up and sat down, and this lady came up and said, "Mr. Fox, uh, I have a confession to make." And I'm, I'm with my wife, and I, I don't want to hear this lady's confession, whatever it is. And but she said that she said, "I saw you going in the water, and I felt this incredible feeling of loathing and 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 and, and disgust." And I said, oh, that's nice. And she said, yeah. And then I realized it was Lewis Canning. That's why. She, she just saw Lewis Canning going into the water. She said, I hate that guy. Excuse me. And, um, uh, <laughs> she realized that it was me. And then she felt she had to apologize to me for that. And I said, that's the greatest compliment you can ever give me. <laughs> Sorry, you, you, um, true to form, you're making me laugh, Michael. You're making me laugh. I want to go to an, uh, to an audience question. Um, this is a question that comes from the Commonwealth of Virginia, um, from Kimball Boone. She wants to know what parts of your memoir were most challenging to write? I think um, uh, one of the things I had to write was I, when I had, had this kind of post-operation, uh, uh, kind of psychotic break, the reaction to the, the drugs I take for Parkinson's mixed with the drugs that I took for the, the uh, operation, and I kind of was hallucinating and kind of out of it. Now, it was only tough because at the time I wasn't aware of what was happening, but my, my daughter was there uh, during it, and she was a psychology major, so it was like a field day. It was like a busman's holiday for her. She was watching me look freaky, but but uh, that was tough. <laughs> it was tough to write, tough to break down other people's observations of what was happening, and, and coupled with my observations from, from, from this kind of uh, damaged uh, position, but then it was also hard to write about my um. So I had to write about Tracy because it, I, I'm not a good enough writer to 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 really get to the depth of, of what that connection is with the person who who commits to you and uh, commits to you early in 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 what's going to be a, a long journey and a long slog and a lot of challenges. And she she committed to me and and has been with me through all this stuff and, and it's, to this minute is is. Is like aware of everything that's going on with me, and, and yet not suffocating me with it and making it my burden that I'm her burden. Um, it's 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 really a remarkable relationship, and so it's tough to 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 pay justice to that, but not go overboard and not make it treacly. And we're not really sentimental people. You think with all my optimism and all that stuff that I'd be sentimental. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a realist. I mean, I just I just think that there's. And I mean, I picked up the New York Times the other day and looked at the front page. And there were four stories that were all, I don't know them, but they were all just horrible. There's floods mm. and bees and, and uh, social injustice. And, and I just went, it's got to it's be something in the next page. It's you know, going to make this a little lighter. There's got to be something, not lighter, but but more understandable. If we just understand, and, I, and if I can understand the, the connections that people have and, and the way that we can help each other and the way that we can get each other through, we don't have to look and say, oh, that person has that. That sort of thing, but say that's my thing. We have this, we all have this, and that's what I have in my family. We all have this, and we and we all get by it the best we can. You know, uh, this is your third memoir, and I'm wondering, you know, when you write when you write these memoirs, 
one, does do you have your family read them before uh, before you hand them in to the editor? And I'm wondering what what reactions do you get from your family? They're really interesting. My 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 daughters are my daughters are most amazing because they're they're just, they're just my daughters and they're, they're they they own me. So whatever they say, they 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 goes double for me. But um, they 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 they're interested. They they talk of the broader notice of the, the emotion of it or the message of it or whatever we talk about that. But then they'll then they'll say, no, I I I got a B in this class and I got an A in this class. Or I I. No, I, I I went here. I went to Sally's on Friday and went to Wendy's on Thursday, and, and I mean stuff like that is really great, and I love that. And I say, well, put that in, and I love creating. Uh, uh, especially my daughter Skylar, who was, was there when I the night before I got hurt, um, recreating conversations with her, where I know that that's what she said, and I know that that's what I said, and I know, and and and, and it's it's just such a beautiful experience. And then have her read it and affirm it and say, yes, that's 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 the way I saw it too. But I saw this other thing that you didn't see that 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 that, that, uh, that I was worried about uh, certain potential problems. It's just, it's just it's an interesting thing to delve into family and and, and present these situations. Um, but but I, this book more than any of the others, I really wanted to concentrate on the on the dialogue and the and the communication. It wasn't so much about atmospherics. There was enough atmospherics with the the injuries and the surgeries and all that stuff. But I wanted to concentrate on just conversations between people that love each other and try to help each other and and and, and know that sometimes you can't you just can't you, you have nothing to bring to it other than love and 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 ultimately that that, that can work you're already close you and your family are already close so you rely on them a lot has having them read through particularly this memoir actually brought you closer? Did you find that you you got closer to people you were already super close to? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I think that my, my son, again, he read it and he, he, he was, he was, uh, it's, it's a funny family. Like we call it, my kids call me dude, but not, not dude like the dude, but D-O-O-D, which I don't know what that means. But, but, and, 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 and Tracy and I have a have a kind of a, 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 a what was his name a great director yeah uh, uh, not in my head but we, we, that kind of 40s just and we just whack at each other with stuff and and, and it's fun it's fun it's a fun dynamic um, mm-hmm. but but it but it it means you have to stay invested in it you have to you, you have to you have to ask what's going on and. One of the things that, that that was really cool, if I can go into this really quickly, and I don't want to jump any question you might have might, you might have had about it, but um, during the pandemic, we were all in the house together. All the, my son was in Los Angeles, but the, all the girls and crazy and, and I, and it was great. Like she made meals and we did jigsaw puzzles and we read books and we and we had these great conversations after dinner. My kids and the the stuff in Minnesota was happening, so. Great conversations about that, and great conversations about social injustice and and, and disease and, and and dystopian societies that we may live in, and and, and it just it's just blown away. I just like, come on, where did this come from? And so meanwhile, I have Parkinson's, I have broken arm, I have I have uh, I have um, problems walking, and I have my dog died, who I love very much, during the time, and and um um, and yet it was all it's all good. It it, it just is what it is. And 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 um, 
you can be real, like I said, you can be realist and, and, and optimist at the same time. Because you see, you see this, this stuff. And we were aware of the, the fact that well, we were enjoying that space and that time, that people were waving at beds going down hallway corridors that, that, that we never come back with, with their person on it, with their loved one on it. And when that, you, you know that the reality exists. Um, uh, you, 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 it makes you think about the reality that you're enjoying. You know, Michael, we are we are running out of time, so I'm going to ask you real quickly. Can you talk about your foundation, the Michael J. Fox Foundation? Um, the talk about the the progress and and advancements made in the last thirty years. Well, in the last thirty years, which is we started, we uh, we've been involved in 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 those have happened uh, uh, organically in other ways, but but it all seems to connect. We found. We're getting new gene modifiers and gene identifiers, and and realizing that that there are certain groups that are that are uh, that are prone and, and likely to get Parkinson's. So we're studying them, and we're getting a big thing called PPMI, which is a, a multi-million-dollar study that trying to find a biomarker. So our hope is uh, our, our our soonest hope is 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 that sometime within the next 10, 10 years or so, we'll find a way to identify the disease before. Symptoms are evident, so uh, and we're getting close. Uh, so that I can go to get a blood test at, at six, and and, and they say mm. he's got Parkinson's, and then we we treat it prophylactically, and it never and never never um, manifests itself. So that that would be a huge thing. But but as to um, uh, whether or not we're going to come up with an answer in my lifetime, I don't know. I hope so. You know, last question for you, Michael. Um, as a realistic optimist, what is your advice to folks who are struggling to stay positive as we want continue to confront this pandemic, this this uh, coronavirus pandemic, but also um, staying positive for people who are dealing with their own, as you say, in your you know, everyone has everyone has Parkinson's as they deal with their own version of that. I think it's I think it's about acceptance. I think it's about it's about acceptance, and acceptance doesn't mean resignation. It doesn't mean you, you, you can't endeavor to change it, but you have to accept it for what it is. At first, at Parkinson's. Now, what do I do? Now, then it takes up that much space, and I have all this other space that I can work in and 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 and, and, and thrive and, and come up with new ways to adapt my life to this to, the, to this uh, this situation. And it's the same with me. We have to be honest about what's happening. We have to abject. Truths, the things that you start are, are what they are, and you accept that, and then and then you can, and you can change. You can find niches in it to, to 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 make it better, but you have to accept it for what it is first. Acceptance, that is the key word. Michael J. Fox, what a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very very much for coming to Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening to Capehart. It's produced by Julie Deppenbrock. We'll have new episodes for you every Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Capehart. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ.